The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is the division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Wholesale is taking quite the beating lately, with multi-channel lenders like Amerisaves and Loan Depot shuttering their wholesale divisions. But does that mean retail is really better? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director of the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Michael Brennan, former president and founder of Amerisaves Wholesale Mortgage Solutions. Hi, Mike. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. So as you've been witness to this firsthand, why does a multi-channel lender like Amerisaves or Loan Depot shutter their wholesale division, but keep their retail division intact? Yeah, I, lots of ways you could take that. But I think first and foremost, I think people revert back to what they're most comfortable with in times of market turmoil. And right, we both agree that the market's beyond just regular market turmoil. We've got the duopoly of uh, you know, a market downturn, 40, 45, 50%, depending on the quarter, along with a price we're out there where certain lenders are vacuuming volume out of the industry and making it extra difficult for every lender, regardless of the channels that they offer. So I think the the biggest first reaction to that question, Christine, is I think people revert back to what they're most comfortable with in times of turmoil, i.e. the history of Loan Depots as a consumer direct and retail platform. You know, wholesale is a five or six-year-old venture for them. The history of Amerisave and companies like Loan Depot and Amerisave is consumer direct and retail. And so I think they just go back to what they're comfortable with. And that's a shame because I think both entities built some pretty special technology, processes, people, and culture that the broker community needed. And I think in both cases, the uh, the leadership teams that made the decisions made them for you know strategic reasons. Obviously, I'm personally affected, so I have a stronger opinion maybe than others. But um, I think it was short-sighted, honestly. And I think that there's a need in the broker community for lenders like Loan Depot and Amerisave, who are multi-channel lenders, to have a wholesale platform. I think a multi-channel lender brings diversification of earnings. And the ebbs and flows of our industry need multi-channel lenders to you know, constantly invest in a wholesale channel while other channels they have might be ebbing and flowing. And when you're a monoline wholesale lender, there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, Monoline wholesale lenders are the best thing for the broker because there's no competition. There's no worry of their former client going and being stolen by somebody's retail group. That's you know that's all been suppressed. And anybody that's in wholesale that has other channels has to build technology and make agreements with the broker community that that customer is the broker's customer for life. And that's what we did at Amerisave, and I think most others do that ha- that have other channels. But you know, I think the honest reality is um, the broker community is going to be negatively affected by companies like Loan Depot and Amerisave getting out of wholesale. And so with the turmoil and their decision to, you know, revert back to what they know, is there is there one that is is better than the other or is having the the multi-channel the best way to move forward? I don't know. If I was building a new mortgage company right now, I guess the way to answer that is with with that kind of take on life. If I was building a new lender right now, I'd build a multi-channel lender. I wouldn't be reliant on one channel and one channel alone. Uh, if you look over the history of the last, you know, call it 27 or 30 years of the mortgage industry, I've been doing this for 26 and a half, 27 years now. 
there's a con- consistent theme, and that is that things change. So retail was was popular over the last, let's call it 10 years post-housing crisis, but heading into the housing crisis of 07 through 10, uh, you had brokers running and owning about 55, 60% of the market. And then that dropped to almost zero and it started climbing back up. And so if you just look back over decades before that, you see this constant shift between retail, correspondent, wholesale, consumer direct. Um, and I think having multiple channels diversifies your earning streams and, and makes you a stronger company and makes you balanced so that as one channel suffers, i.e. like a consumer direct platform is definitely going to suffer more than a retail or wholesale platform when it's not a refi boom, right? Right. It's tough to be a consumer direct purchase lender. There's firms out there trying to figure it out. I don't think anybody's done a really good job at it. And frankly, most local real estate agents aren't comfortable referring their local customer that they're sitting across the table from, um, referring them to somebody that's sitting in a call center somewhere. So I think you should have three channels or at least two to kind of diversify things. So it is strange. I get it, right? The market's off 50%, I can understand why certain companies would bail on a channel that they're not historically comfortable with. But if you step back from that and go, how was that channel doing? What did that channel offer the broker community? Was it a unique value proposition? To cut that away, is, it's, it definitely feels like, a, you know, uh, in my opinion, a mistake and a short-sighted decision for both entities to have done what they've done. Well, and and sadly in the industry, um, there's a division. Either your team Rocket Pro TPO or UWM. With your background being one of the founding executives of QMLS, how do you feel about each party in this fight? I think each party brings the broker community really strong value. And it's a shame that they have to step on each other um, in the public eye to try and, you know, please or or you know win over the hearts and minds of individual brokers. I mean, the true superpower of a broker is what, Christine? It's choice. Right. Like that's what they bring to the consumer. That's what they bring to real estate agents. So when anybody engages in a battle and starts taking that choice away, I think it's a negative for the consumer. I think it's a negative for the broker community. And so it's disappointing to see large professional entities like that, that are all run by very intelligent people, get into some of the... Um, you know arguments and disdainful approaches that they take towards each other. Because um, long-term, that's not good for anybody, right? That's not good for the consumer. It's not good for the broker. It's not good for the realtor. If those two entities are creating rules and saying who you can and can't play with or denigrating each other publicly, I mean, competition's one thing and that's called capitalism, right? It's okay to compete with each other. But when you stoop to some of the levels that we've seen certain entities you know, stoop to, uh, both publicly and privately, it's, it's, it's not good you know, for anybody, frankly. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. And so what are the long-term damages that we can see from this prolonged price war? Yeah, I mean, you know, so again, we go back to this, the superpower of brokers is choice. They bring, you know, seven to 10 lenders to the table and they shop those lenders and they uh, evaluate technology and they evaluate service and they, they look at the client's individual situation and what their hopes and dreams are. And they recommend the best wholesale lender to that consumer for the particular transaction that they're looking at. And, you know, when you take away choice, which is really what this pricing war is going to do and already has done, it's taken away Loan Depot, it's taken away Amerisave. Uh, it's taken away GoPoint. It's taken away Stearns. It's taken away, you know, 
the casualty list is brewing, right? We don't see other names out there yet, but for sure they're out there. And there's a whole new list of names that have popped up, we'll say in the last nine to 12 months on some of the pricing engine studies that we used to look at as we studied our competition every day, names we've never heard of before. I won't mention any of them, but a lot of new wholesale lenders have entered in the last nine to 12 months. And it's strange to me why they would do that in the middle of a market downturn in the middle of a pricing war, but they clearly see an opportunity to be the next big upstart in wholesale lending. And I fear that a super majority of those new upstarts are going to get crushed and have to exit and their capital is going to be bled and their ownership or leadership teams are going to make similar decisions to exit the space because uh, they just don't have the balance sheets that the two other big publicly traded firms do and, and use to their advantage during the middle of this pricing war. So I think the biggest ramification is choice is going to dissipate and decline for the broker. And so their superpower begins to wane. And so all this talk about this pricing war being great for brokers, uh, it is in the short run. Sure. It's great to be a price leader. If you're a if you're a broker tied to one of those two companies or a few others that have engaged in the pricing war, because there's other names engaged in the pricing war that are also large and publicly traded. Um, there's four of them that are large, substantial organizations. We'll call them the top four wholesalers in the industry. They're all engaged in it in some form. They don't every day they don't may not do it across the entire spectrum of their pricing, but they're all having to chase each other down the rabbit hole. So short term, it's great. If you're tied to one of those four entities, you are the best price in town. Right? You're beating retail lenders hands down. You're beating consumer direct platforms hands down with what you can offer the consumer. But on the other side of this, there could very well be two or three, and likely two, possibly three, if I stretched my imagination a little bit, really solid wholesale lenders, and then a bunch of afterthoughts that have no capital, no real value prop they bring to the marketplace. And that's, that's just flushing choice down the toilet at that point. Do you think the broker community understands this? I mean, is there ever is there going to be a revolt in the broker community? I don't. Know. Revolt's a powerful world, right? Word, right? I, you know. <laughs> I mean, do they have any power to? I think they do. I mean, they've got aim and they've got their own choice to make in terms of where they go and who they do their business with. It's mm-hmm. tough right now because you, you know, you got a market that's down fifty percent, so you need rate and price right now to compete and try and win every deal you can. So if you choose not to engage with one of these three or four lenders that are participating in the pricing war, you're putting yourself and your customer at a disadvantage and you're likely losing that deal to somebody else that's working with one of the four. So I get the short-term need to have to do what you have to do. Um, that said, um, I think it's a real problem for the future of our industry. You know, I don't, I, I, as I look at the world, we'll call it 12,500 or 13,000 brokers. I don't know what percentage has thought forward a little bit. It's probably a decent percentage because there's some really intelligent, awesome brokers out there. And super majority of them are. Um, if they literally looked themselves in the mirror at night and said, you know, can I forecast out into the middle of next year? What do I really think is going to happen when this pricing war is long since over with? I think they should be worried, right? I don't know that many are thinking that way right now because they're so mired in how do I grow? How do I replace the volume that I've lost? How do I manage my current pipeline? Um, but I think we all need to start looking forward and saying, look, what does the market look like a year from now? And it looks a lot smaller in terms of choice for the broker community. And that's a bad thing. And so um, we've heard a lot of buzz about your Aussie tech platform that um, you were giving brokers access to. What type of resources did that take to build? And you know, um, I guess maybe what's going to happen with that? Yeah. So substantial uh, amount of resources and time, right? We we launched the division with six people back in June of 2020 in my basement and went to work working with the what I'd call the mothership or parent company tech resources for the first nine or 12 months before we had our own development resources. And it took a solid year to build the front end tech that became known as the Aussie Broker Portal that tied into the Aussie uh, AI platform on the back end. 
Um, and then it took us another year after launch. We launched in July of 21 to kind of get to a point where I won't use the word perfected because nothing's ever perfected, but we got to a point where the broker community really liked the result and the experience of the broker portal and how it interacted with the AI on the back end. And so stepping forward, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with the technology, right? I'm kind of on my way out the door and kind of winding things down. I hope they do something with it because it's incredible. And I think the broker community is going to suffer not having a third option. That's a tech-driven option. Um, when I think about UWM and Rocket, I think they provide the broker a very compelling uh, tech story along with their pricing and product breadth and depth and some of the other marketing support and training and all the different things that they do. And that's not to denigrate HomePoint or, or PennyMac. I think they have some great offerings as well. I just think in terms of tech, the average broker, if you interviewed them right now and you're interviewing me, so I'll give you my opinion. I think in rank order, it's UWM, Rocket, Penny, and then HomePoint in terms of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we were, I think we got to a point with the, the Aussie platform that we were number two behind UWM in terms of broker feedback through the AIM platform, through the Brokers Are Better network, through individual interactions with brokers, um, they saw the started to see the value of what AI could do for them and what Aussie could do for them. So looking forward, um, the market needs AI. It needs an AI API-driven framework. A lender that brings that kind of technology to the forefront um, will be a winner next year, next summer, when the purchase market heats back up a little bit, depending on what rates are. Um, but there's going to be a purchase season next year. There's going to be an environment where there's not a price war going on next summer because nobody can sustain it past likely the end of this year with the money that they're losing. Um, and so I think you're going to be left with a, a world unless somebody pops up and has the vision to rebuild AI and API-driven technology. You're be left with a lot less choice and less compelling technology than you had when Loan Depot and Amerisave were in the wholesale space. And so I'm committed personally. My passion, now that I've been down this path for two years, building this and seeing what the broker community did with the tech and how they bought into it. Um, I'm looking to find a capital partner or a mortgage company that can look around the corner with me, i.e. it looks like the absolute worst time to invest in the mortgage business and the wholesale space right now, right? That's logical. Um, But if you can look around the corner with somebody that has vision and you put your head down for the next nine to 12 months and you rebuild the tech and the platform, um, brokers are going to want it and they're going to need it more than ever on the other side of this. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate this. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. PennyMac TPO is the division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here are your headlines for today, September 19th. Home values dropped for the second straight month as mortgage rates continue to push buyers out of the market. According to Zillow, home values in August fell by three-tenths of a percent from the prior month, and the average value is now at $356,000. The lack of sales also continues to push down home builder confidence. The National Association of Home Builders Confidence Index fell three points this month, down to 46. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Cotamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygates. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.